Greetings once again, church. I'm excited to bring uh, this Sunday's message to you. We will be in Acts chapter 14, verses 24 through 28. But let us go ahead and go before the Lord before we read the text this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord God, thank you once again for another day that you've given us, that you've woken us from our sleep. Father, you've given us breath in our lungs, and now we're aligning ourselves with your word. Father, help us to submit to your will. Speak to our hearts in all the things that are going on in this world, all the things that are going on within our own country, within our own communities. Many are seeking hope and refuge, and we know that Jesus Christ is that only hope and that only refuge. So help us as the church to hear what you have for us today, how we can apply these things to our lives, how we can reach those in our sphere of influence with the gospel and share the truth in love to those who need it desperately. Father, we thank you and we love you. We pray this all in Jesus Christ's mighty name. Amen. All right. Acts chapter 14, verses 24 through 28. I'll begin now. Then they passed through Poseidon and came to Pamphylia. And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Adela. And from there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commanded to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they remained no little time with the disciples. Today we will be ending Acts chapter 14, and what a journey it has been. I've entitled this message, Modeled After Christ Alone, and that's what I see in the text as as we go through just all the things that Barnabas and Paul had done through their traveling and uh, the grace of God and the work that had been done through them and how they gave glory to God for opening up a door to the Gentiles and remaining with the disciples for a very long time, encouraging them. These are all things and characteristics that Jesus Christ himself did. And it's just encouraging to read scripture and to know that you're going to find Jesus in every page, no matter where you look. It's been over a year now since we started studying the book of Acts. And I must say that I'm even more excited today to learn through the book of Acts than when we started. I'm I'm just juiced off of the things that the Lord is revealing to me. Also convicted uh, all in the same. It's just growth in Christ. But isn't that just how Jesus Christ affects our lives, right? The longer we walk with him, the more we realize how much we're not like him and, <laughs> you know, how much more we need him in our lives and how much more we we need him to help us to align ourselves you know under his covenant and just live out in faith in obedience to his word the things that he calls us to do and you you know as this happens as you grow in Christ your love and your desire to please him to serve him it grows or at least it should i love how the bible expresses clearly that It's all about Jesus Christ. It truly is. Like I said uh, a minute ago, every time you open up the Word of God, you should be able to see Jesus Christ 
etched in there. Some form, some way, the scriptures are always speaking to Christ, either before he came, as he was here, when he will return. Either way, you're always going to get a nice, good, healthy dose of Jesus Christ if you're studying the word correctly and the Holy Spirit is showing you the truth about who he is. Hence, that's why the title of this message is what it is, because we are modeled after Christ alone. That should be the church. That should be the goal of every Christian, every believer in Christ, is that you want your life to resemble as much as you can, as close as you can, uh, led by the Holy Spirit to reflect the the love and the life of Jesus Christ. It all relates to Him, His moral character, and what His desire is for His creation, and and that's where we get our understanding of how the Word affects our lives. Is because Jesus is clear about this in Scripture, and now in just our current situation, the current circumstances of this world, now more so than ever in our country with all the unrest, we need Jesus Christ to save souls and heal communities. Nothing can take the place of him in this world. No self-help group, no uh, psychologist, no uh, community program can do what Jesus Christ can do. He must be at the heart of every situation in order for men's hearts to be changed. That's what Christ alone can do. Only Christ alone can change a person's heart from being stony to be soft, uh, to take a person out of bondage and give them spiritual freedom, to take them from spiritual death and give them spiritual life, to be have, have their minds and their hearts illuminated to understand the truth of his word. Only Jesus Christ can do that. A great example of this is Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He knew this and he knew this very well. Though he was a political activist, his message centered around the cross of Jesus Christ. And that was the it factor with him. Why he was so effective in what he did and how the Lord used him was because his life was centered around Jesus Christ. And so how desperately we need that today in our society. Going back to the text this morning, the Apostle Paul knew this very well also. And that is why everything that Paul taught was about Jesus Christ. He he taught Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Every missionary journey that he embarked upon centered around the cross of Jesus Christ. Today we will learn about what Paul did upon returning from this first missionary journey and how it mirrored Jesus Christ. There are several main points that we need to hone in on this morning. And the first one is this, the Great Commission. And I'll go ahead and just read it from Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. As Christians, we all have heard these verses. Many of us know them by heart. You see, Jesus Christ and Paul understood this, but they also did it. The question you and I must ask ourselves this morning is, are we living this great commission out? Are we doing it? 
it's great to acknowledge Jesus Christ as we should acknowledge Christ for who he is. But there comes a point in every believer's life where acknowledgement needs to turn from just simple acknowledgement into submission and obedience. Jesus said it himself, if we love him, we will obey his commandments. Those who obey him have the love of the Father in them, and those who don't have, uh, who will not obey his commands, they don't have the love of the Father in them. By Paul and Barnabas taking the time to interact with these who they previously shared the gospel with, this proves and points out that they were making disciples in essence. This is what they were doing. It was never a one-stop shop with them, not like, oh, I'm just going to share the gospel and, and that's it. And they never interacted with these people again. The second point that we need to focus on this morning, it's kind of like a sub-point of the first, and it's simply this. To make disciples, you must invest time in people. You must invest time in people. Again, we see the greatest example of this in Jesus Christ. And Paul emulated this as well. Jesus, if you look at his life here on earth, from prostitutes to tax collectors to murderers and wicked leaders, Jesus made time for all of these people. Uh, people that were lame and crippled with physical disabilities as well. He made time for them. And not just a superficial high and by, but a genuine care and concern type of time. He spent time with these people. You think of the woman at the well in, in a time and age where Jewish men were never supposed to speak to women, let alone a half-breed Jew. He, in, in the middle of the day, he took the time at the well to engage with this woman and talk to her about spiritual matters. And I do believe this woman became saved from this encounter. At the very least, she shared the good news of Jesus Christ to the village where she lived. But Jesus took the time. He engaged with people. This is what he did on a regular basis. You see, sermons won't make disciples. They give good instruction. They give good encouragement and direction. But it is relationships and the proper God-centered relationships that make disciples. That's why you can't just come to a building and hear a message or turn on the internet and hear a message and that be it. There, there needs to be a connection from what goes in your ear to your heart to your feet and it needs to be lived out. It needs to be acted upon or else there's no engagement in what is truly going on. It's just you have a bunch of head knowledge, stuff that you heard that sounds good, but there's no way of actually manifesting it in your life. And obviously you need the Holy Spirit in your heart to be able to do that. So it's all interconnected. If we don't invest time in one another, we can honestly just forget about making disciples. You can't just send in a text a day is not going to make a disciple. You know, and I'm speaking to myself in that. We need to be engaged in one another's lives and have true genuine relationship in order to create the environment to build up disciples. The last main point this morning is God should always receive the glory and honor from his servants. Notice that the disciples didn't boast about what they did. They realized that it didn't they didn't do anything. It didn't come from them. Rather it was what God had worked and accomplished through them 
And that's why they glorified him. They glorified the faith and the door that the Lord opened. They glorified the Lord for uh, you know, the grace that he bestowed upon these Gentiles. And so this is the same situation we see today with us. Anything that happens uh, that he allows to go through his hands to us, through us, to accomplish his work, we should be on the end of giving honor and glory to him alone for what he has done for us. So let's just go ahead and break down these verses in couplets and we'll go ahead and look at uh, verses 24 and 26 again. Uh, we'll go ahead and start. And it says, Then they passed through Poseidon and came to Pamphylia. And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to uh, Adela. And from there they sailed to Antioch where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. Paul and Barnabas traveled back. They traveled back along the same route that they had came. So as they had gone off, once they met their final destination, they went back. And this was important because they had the opportunity to, in a sense, retrace their steps with the newer converts with the new believers they participated fully in the great commission going where the lord led them and sharing the gospel message of jesus christ's redemptive work with all people the application for us is this while it is true for one to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, so when that happens, it's a convergence, it's a supernatural act that happens within the blink of an eye. That is true. The sanctification process, however, that believers undergo takes a lifetime. And this is where the whole premise of discipleship takes place. While it is good for a non-believer to have an initial encounter with God, right? It's that aha moment when you recognize that you're a sinner who can't save him or herself. You need a Savior. That Savior is Jesus Christ. You acknowledge it. You submit and confess. You ask for forgiveness. You ask for him to save your soul. That is that initial encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. But then it goes from that to in order for us to grow roots we need to be planted in Christ. We need to have our foundation upon the rock of Jesus Christ, the only solid foundation, the, the cornerstone of our faith. And the one fundamental way this happens is by joining a Bible-based local church. Wherever in your area, you got to find somewhere. you got to pray about it and ask the Lord to lead you to a place if you are not part of a Bible-based church. And even now online, there is so much put out there, but you need to make sure that you're following the correct biblical teachings and that you're not getting the wool pulled over your eyes and you're listening to false doctrine. If you're sitting under sound teaching and fellowshipping regular with other true believers in Christ, you will grow and spiritually mature. There's just, there's no way to avoid that. That process will begin to happen and manifest itself. It's, it's the it's the spiritual fruit of being in a right relationship with Jesus Christ and being in good relationships with other true Christians. Ephesians chapter 4 verses 13 through 15 tell us this, and I'll read it quickly. Until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, 
so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. And so we see here, attain the unity and of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature in our spiritual manhood to the fullness of Christ. This takes the church. This takes discipleship. This takes being involved, engaged in one another's lives, seeking the same common goals to be more like Jesus, to share the love, to to, to spread the gospel message out to the rest of the world, to those people in our sphere of influence. And this doesn't happen in a bubble. This happens in a community. The church is not an organization. The church is an organism. It's a living thing. What we've made it into, we've made it into all of these, you know, organizational things which have their place, but that can't override the fact that the church is an organism. You can't you can't strangle out the Holy Spirit from the church or all you have is just a social club. Next we see Paul and Barnabas were commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. The application is One's faithfulness to endure despite the hardships and trials they will face will be acknowledged by the Lord. We know that it is His grace flowing through us which allows us to remain faithful, but we still have the free will to either desire faithfulness to God or desire to do our own thing. This statement, commended to the grace of God for the work they fulfilled, also means that the Lord was ultimately praised by the work that they had done. This can be looked at in a similar way uh, where you look at the book of Revelation. Uh, Remember, believers will cast down their crowns that they receive upon uh, entering heaven at the feet of the Lamb who is worthy, that is Jesus Christ. And you see, many times we tend to get this whole concept confused. Some celebrate the fact that they will receive a crown from God but ultimately, the true crown of righteousness is Jesus Christ himself. That's what you want to put on. That's why the Bible talks about put on, take off the old man and put on the new man who is Christ and never take him off. The true crown of righteousness is Christ himself. The whole point of going to heaven is to be with the Lord in an unhindered, unbroken relationship with him for eternity. Not to get a physical crown. If that's your focus, dare I say that your thinking is lining up with no better than Lucifer's. Because if you know uh, anything about him before his fall, he was adorned with the most precious uh, jewels, fine stones and material. He was the most precious angel that was created. But he was fixed upon his appearance amongst other things in pride and and. That's not a good thing. We don't want to fall in line with that way of thinking. And that pales in comparison being uh, stuck on, fixated on appearance and, and, and things of that nature. That pales in comparison to the true treasure of being in a sinless, holy relationship with God Almighty. And that's what we see here in the scripture. And that's what we want as believers in Christ. Amen. All right, let's go ahead and continue in these last two verses, verses 28 and 30. And it says, And when they arrived and gathered in the church together, 
They declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they remained no little time with the disciples. Next, we see that when Paul and Barnabas got to their destination, they gathered the church and proclaimed all that God had done through them. This may seem like an insignificant detail, but it's very important to point out that if we glorify anything, we should glorify God who works through us. Unfortunately, this is something that we as people, we struggle with uh, down through the ages up to today, present day. When something great is done through human beings, there's always the tendency and the temptation to claim that we did it. And for us to receive the praise that is due to God alone. I mean, excuse me, you see this happen numerous times over and over where, you know, somebody is being acknowledged for doing something. And it's it's so, uh, like I said, it's so tempting to just take it in stride and be like, yes, thank you. Yes, I did do it. And, 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 and even humbly trying to, glo- you know, gloating over the fact that we've accomplished this and we've worked so hard and we've achieved this and it's all about us. The application is the Lord who always, it is always the Lord who opens the door of faith. In a similar way that Jesus Christ came down from heaven to us, You see, we have to remember that he reached down out of heaven to get us. It's not the other way around. We didn't reach up to him to to be saved. And and even if you think that way, it's wrong because before the thought even crossed your mind or my mind, my mind, excuse me, about wanting to have a relationship with the Lord, he had already been seeking us out. Before times passed, he had already uh, already known that he was going to have this redemptive plan to save mankind. And so we can't claim that we've ever sought the Lord out because it's it's just not true. Romans chapter 3 verses 10 and 11 tell us this clearly. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks God. It's It's only as the Holy Spirit illuminates our minds and our hearts and we begin to see that we are sinners and we are wretched poor blind and naked without him that is when you know when we submit and say we acknowledge that and 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 say to him i know that i can't get out on my own that is when you know the understanding takes place but before that that time that point in time where there's that that crossroad of understanding we're not seeking after the Lord. We're seeking after our own idea of who God is or our own God. We're seeking after ourselves or whatever we put in place of God. But we're not seeking after him. Not the way the Bible says it. it is not true at all. So you see, we can't claim we have come to God. We can only be grateful that Jesus Christ sought us out and saved our souls. And and this is the whole premise of why it's so important. This is why it's so deep because it's like, man, your soul has been saved. Do you understand the gravity of it? Do I understand the gravity of Jesus Christ gave his life? You understand who Christ is now. You, you Your eyes of your heart have been awakened and opened. That is monumental. This is why Paul and Barnabas were so enthused to declare to the church all that God had done with them. By saying all that God had done with them, that he opened up a door of faith to the Gentiles, this statement concluded how important salvation in Jesus Christ is. It's the single most important thing you can ever receive in this life. 
You can't get an amount of money. You can't get an amount of pardon from the government. You can't get enough approval and praise of people. You can't gather enough people for one cause and 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 be in opposition to things that are not correct. That's not going to appease the situation. That's that that's not as important as this having uh give, be, received salvation in Christ. There's nothing else more important than the gift of salvation because it has to do with not only this life, but it has to do with the life to come. You see, everyone is going to pass on into the next life, which is an eternal life, and you're going to eternally be at peace with God the Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit because of what Jesus did. And you'll be able to celebrate that in eternity in an unhindered relationship with him. Or if you rebel and reject the gift of salvation that Jesus Christ offers in this life, then you're going to be at enmity, meaning you're going to be in opposition. You're going to be at war with God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit for eternity. You will have no peace. You will have no calm situation. You have no joy. There will be bitterness. There will be agony. There will be depression. There will be all of the negative things that have gone on in this life intensified by I don't know how much, but it's not going to be a good thing. And that comes down to rejecting this gift of salvation. And so that's why it is so important that we understand this as Christians and that we share this good news with those around us because people are dying and going to hell daily because they have not been given the opportunity to receive the gift of salvation because those who have it are not opening up our mouths. We're not speaking upon it. We're not sharing it with those who need it. We can also see clearly, once again, only God can make this possible. We can do our part, which is be a witness, share. Uh, We're not called to change people. We're not called to convert people. We're not called to make men's hearts change. That's something that's outside of our ability. We can't do that. But we can't open our mouths. We can't point people to Jesus Christ. We can't point people to the love and the grace and the mercy that he offers if one would simply receive his gift. For he alone can open and close doors. No one else can open doors or close them. Only the Lord can. You know, and that's, it, it makes me think of, well, when situations arise in, in my life and I, and I wonder, well, why didn't that work out? Well, the Lord closed that door. Obviously, that was not his will for my life. He didn't want to allow that to happen for whatever reason, for my good, for my betterment. And the same thing as far as, well, why did he open this door? Why did he allow these things to happen? Well, because he opened them for a reason, obviously for you to grow, for me to grow, obviously for us to grow closer to him. That's the whole point of why he opens and closes doors. But he alone has the authority and the power to do that. No one else can. Lastly, we see in um, these uh, last few verses here that the disciples stayed with these believers, excuse me, no little time, meaning they stayed for a great portion. It wasn't just a smidgen in time that they stayed with them, but they had spent time. They had invested, invested time in these young believers, invested time because it was necessary, invested time because... You know, this is how you build relationships. You you look at a husband and a wife uh, or a, a parent and a child in a healthy relationship. 
time is invested. You spend time, and 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 I'm learning this, and I'm always learning this. Uh, be present in the moment. I'm not saying I'm perfect at it. Please don't get my me wrong. Don't mince my words. I don't mean I'm at all perfect in this, but I'm continually learning to be in the moment. I think that's such a big deal of. Why do you, why why look someone in the eyes when you're talking to them or when they're talking to you? Not you know you got ADHD and you can't even keep your face straight. You can't look at people, and it's like a lot of people they're shamed to look at someone else in the eye. They cannot look someone eye to eye. Why is that? That there, there's a big deal with that. But but there's you have to look someone in the eye because it shows one that you're respecting them because you're giving them the response that they they need just an acknowledgement that you're listening but two you're being engaged in the moment you are making credible the time that you're spending with them by being intentional that's spending time with someone not not on your phone looking at the tv playing a video game listening to music doing all these other things and 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 you can't focus you're not listening maybe maybe that's a thing with men because we you know we have a hard time multitasking but i know for myself that's what the lord is showing me Look at my wife in her eyes when she's talking to me. Look at my children when they're talking to me. Stop what I'm doing. Not not doing these other things and saying, yeah, 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 but but I'm not listening. I'm not hearing. And and this is what was going on with the disciples, with Paul and Barnabas and these, these new believers, is that they were intentional. They were investing time. They were spending time. This is what Jesus did, is what I alluded to earlier in the message. All the interactions that Jesus had with people, he was engaged with them he invested time he was there he was present in the moment he didn't just check out and just had a physical body there but he had no idea what was going on when you go to him in prayer he is present he is engaged with you in that moment he's not just up there scratching his head you know twirling his thumbs waiting for you to stop because he just can't you know he can't bear hearing you cry out to him no he's engaged with you he's in there in the moment with you invested in you invested in you and I so much that he gave his blood for you to cleanse you and I of our unrighteousness that should be something to celebrate and praise every day that should be something that would maybe maybe we're not running out in the streets but you know we're 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 using the platforms that the Lord has given us to share the love of Christ with others and that's what's so needed today for those in the church and for those who are not yet part of the family of God your relationship with the Lord and others, you see, is not an isolated event in time. It's it's not over in one month. You know, I, I, it's just it's mind boggling to me how how sometimes we can be like, oh well, I've gone to this church for you know a month or so, and then all of a sudden we disappear and we're like, oh, we got a solid relationship. No, no, you don't. It has to be consistent. It's your relationship with the Lord and with other believers. It's not over in one year. It's not over in 10 years or 50 years. Yeah, it's over at least with believers when you pass on. But uh, the point is, it's an ongoing thing. Daily, we are to walk in the light of Jesus Christ. And that is why we are so encouraged in Scripture to remain in Christ because sanctification is a continual thing and and, and edifying the body of Christ and, and encouraging uh, believers, one another, and bearing one another's burdens. That, that's an ongoing thing. That's not something that you can do in an isolated bubble where you don't have relationship with people. This is something that we need to truly take heart in because I 
truly believe that this is what our country desperately needs now is those that are of the faith that are true believers in Jesus Christ to stand up and you know share the love of Christ with those around us that are hurting and broken amen let's go ahead and pray father god thank you again for just your word for your truth as it goes forth we know that you call upon men to be saved. You call upon men to recognize the error in their ways and to receive the living water who is Jesus Christ. Father, help us to receive the bread of life today and to never let him go. Father, help us to understand the magnitude of how important Jesus Christ is in our lives and how important he is to this dying world. Lord, there's there's no other way that a man and a woman can be saved but through the blood of Jesus Christ. And there's just a desperate need for Jesus to intervene in the lives of the people in this world. But you've made it clear that as believers in Christ, we are your hands and your feet. So, Father, commission us, send us out to where we're supposed to go. Father, give us a deep sense and understanding of what it is you would want us to do, have us to do. I truly believe that you've spoken to my heart and you want us to pray. Lord, we know that they're all throughout the Bible. We see so many just supernatural things happen, victory after victory, because faithful men and women prayed. So, Father, help us to start on our knees, to begin, if we haven't already, just be be in prayer about the things that are going on in our society, in our country, in our world, Lord, that we would lift these things up to you, that we would intercede on the behalf of those that don't even know you, Lord, and that we would beg for mercy and forgiveness, that people's souls would be saved, Lord. And uh, I just thank you for the opportunity to even be able to do that, Lord. How, how great is that, Lord, that we could be used in such a mighty way to pray for those around us. Father, thank you for your encouraging word. Thank you for the conviction from your word. Thank you that uh, you allow us to be sensitive to that double-edged sword, Lord, that will cut through everything and get to the heart of the matter. And that you are the only one that can internally cleanse us, Lord. You're the surgeon that does that work. So, Father, continue to do that work in our hearts. Lord, we thank you and we praise you. It's in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen.